Welcome to Vows to Keep Radio with David and Tracy Sellers. The mission of Vows to Keep is to help couples develop a biblically healthy marriage through the application of God's Word and a deeper relationship with Him. They desire to help you and your spouse grow closer to each other and closer to the heart of God's design for your marriage. Now, here's David and Tracy with today's broadcast. We are David and Tracy Sellers, and we have made Vows to Keep. As we start our third segment in a series about spiritual gifts, I want to tell you a little story about some friends of ours. We'll call them Jeff and Judy. And when we moved into our house, Jeff was the guy who was there to help unload the truck. I literally didn't know anyone in the community, and that man was there. And it wasn't just me. He helped many families load and unload their U-Hauls in the first year I knew him, and he was strong as an ox. Judy, she really had the gift of hospitality. You could tell it was a God-given thing. She made people feel at home with her, whether she was actually in her home entertaining or if she was just dropping off a meal to me while I was on bed rest. They had hearts that were deep and merciful. They actually adopted two kids and raised them as their own, and they turned out to be awesome God-serving people. They are a couple who knows their spiritual gifts. They know each other's spiritual gifts, and they use them together. They're effective in the kingdom of God. If you haven't been able to hear our previous broadcast, let me do a quick recap of what we've been talking about in this series. And I definitely want to encourage you to go to our website, vowstokeep.com, and check out the first two parts of this series. This series is all about spiritual gifts, and that means that we need to understand what it takes to have a spiritual gift. And that, my friends, is salvation. Once you are a person who's committed your life to Christ, you then have the challenge of accepting the Great Commission. The Great Commission is a big charge, but God shares three very important facts. The first is that this charge is an individual mission, but it is carried out as a team. And that team is called the church. You mean I get to do this beside you? Of course. That's awesome. (laughs) Number two is the Holy Spirit goes with us, and that is critical. And the third truth is that the Holy Spirit gives spiritual gifts, but for a very specific purpose. In the second broadcast, we spent some time comparing and contrasting what are talents and what are gifts. We challenge you that if you're Christians in your home and your kids are Christians in your home, that you would actually sit down and really take assessment. What are the spiritual gifts that are in our home and how do we work together to glorify the Lord? We closed last week's show talking about how there are certain aspects of spiritual gifts that now are very closely associated with a title in a church, a position, if you will. I think a lot of people love the status that comes with the job that God has given them. I agree. I love serving the Lord in the way that he's called me. We have to be careful to understand that this tool is the Lord's. We're to be a faithful steward of it, certainly not taking the glory for ourselves. If you've been listening to the past broadcasts on this topic, we've been telling you to read up on your own about these verses in God's Word that talk about spiritual gifts, primarily 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and Ephesians 4. That's because there is so much to know about this topic, and we are knowingly not going to be covering all of the gifts that God's Word mentions. We're going to focus on those that we think you're going to primarily see within your home. We've been surprised over the years when we've talked with various couples on how few married couples talk about spiritual gifts with each other and how little they're being used. This is really, I think, a reflection on what's happening in a lot of churches in our nation today. They're either totally focused on or totally ignoring spiritual gifts. 
We're not going to have time, as Tracy said, in a single show to go through all of the spiritual gifts. So what we're going to do is break them up into a couple categories to provide some structure. And then within those categories, we'll talk about some of the ones we think are most likely to be relevant in your marriage. David, that first category is called establishing gifts. And I think that's a good title for it because these are gifts that establish God's church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastor teachers. Yeah, those are the things that we kind of closed out last week's show talking about how in many ways they're now just thought of as a title or a role. But really, truly, these spiritual gifts are intended to be observed, not just simply a label that we've attached to someone because they want it to be. Then there's those gifts, David, that provide signs of God's power. And you read about them in the New Testament. They're amazing. They put God on display every single time. And those are the gifts of healing, miracles, prophecy, speaking in tongues, and interpreting tongues. And these are the tools that the Holy Spirit utilizes for the communication to the body of Christ and bringing credibility to the church. And then there are the supporting gifts. These are things like service and helps, teaching, encouragement, giving, administration, leadership, mercy, wisdom, knowledge, faith, and spiritual discernment. These gifts are primarily used to organize and to administrate the church so that they can best carry out its mission. And when we say church today, I don't want you to think about your sanctuary and the kids' rooms at the back of the church. I want you to think about the church as being the body of Christ. I want you to think about the church being wherever two or three are gathered in the name of Christ. And if you and your wife are both saved, we're talking to you. So the first gift we're going to focus on today is service. And service can look like many different things. And like I said, David, we don't want to think about the church being that building, but that is the first thing my mind jumps to when I think of service. I think about the people who show up early to make the coffee and get the sanctuary ready and the ones that are behind the scenes doing things at the church office all week long that I never think of, or the people that are taking care of the little ones so their mom and dad can go to service. That's what I think of. But as I started to dig into this topic a little bit more in God's word, I see that service expands its arms so far beyond the church walls. We are all actually commanded to serve one another, no matter what our spiritual gifting is. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ in action. We see it in verses like Galatians 5 and Matthew 22. Our response to God's word on serving one another should actually propel us to want to know what our spiritual gift is and then to put it into action. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As each of us has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. There are some people, maybe you, who are given the special gift of service. What does it look like? We've got some friends who have loved on our family for years. Since our kids were very little, they anticipate the needs of a situation before you can even think of them. They jump in. They tackle projects with gusto. They're the first to show up. They're the last to leave. I believe that they have the gift of service, both of them. Their hearts are drawn to look for the need and to meet it with excellence. Service really does show up in our marriages every single day. A shirt ironed for someone who hates that particular chore. I'm pointing to David over here. (laughs) I just don't know how to do it. A dinner made and served, errands run, a clean house, a wash car, a balanced budget. You know I could keep going here, right? All the little things that make a life and marriage go round. But isn't it amazing how the same act can be performed with the same results at the end, but the attitude with which it's done makes all the difference in the world? So we haul wood at our house for heating our house. I'm going to tattletale on one of my kids here right now. So we're getting ready for the winter. And the other day, our kids needed to get a load done before we headed to youth group. 
And one of them wasn't very happy about it. They would rather have played. That's understandable, right? It's hard work. But this is the thought that crossed my mind in that moment. The job gets done either way, right? If it's done in a bad attitude, the recipient of the service knows it. If it's done with a servant's heart, not only does the recipient feel blessed, so does the person working. They feel good. They feel fulfilled knowing that they're loving on someone else with their service. In marriage, there are many people that are very happy to go off and and serve someone at church, serve someone at work, serve their children. But then when it comes to their spouse, it's like the happiness checks out. The gift has not entered into their marriage. And and it's actually common with many of the spiritual gifts that we're going to talk about today. If you have the gift of service and it's not natural for you to transfer that to your spouse, start by paying really close attention to their preferences. Look for how you can serve them. That builds so much credibility to that God-given gift in all other facets of your life. You need to understand what makes your spouse tick and then make it happen for them. See what's hard for them and jump in, take it over. See what energizes them and do it with enthusiasm. Even if it's really hard for you, make it a gift to them by having a joyful attitude. Mark 10:45 reminds us that the Son of Man, that's Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. So that's our cue, guys. That's our calling, whether service is our specific spiritual gift or not. Well, this leads me to two questions we're going to repeatedly ask throughout today's broadcast. And I have to say, it's kind of shame on us. Most of us, well, we don't even know our spiritual gift or our spouse's spiritual gift. And so it's by asking the question, how does this particular gift show up in a negative way in my marriage? which sounds really pessimistic, but but let me share the plus side of this. If we don't look for the plus sides of our spiritual gifts, Satan can't help but tempt us with the negatives. So today we're gonna use this trick against him. How does the gift of service negatively affect a marriage? Well, if you're married to a spouse with a gift of service, it can be really easy to feel like you're playing second fiddle to everyone else. You see your spouse desire to serve and very often, we see jealousy in the opposite corner. So the plus side of all this is if you feel second fiddle to a spouse who seems to be on a mission, serving the world, you might very well have a spouse who's got a gift of service. And it's not well understood in your marriage, that's okay. Today we wanna help you to understand and identify the gift. Now, I wanna say it doesn't make it okay for them to not be serving you, but hopefully you see here, that we wanna look at how we can take the annoyances that we feel about a topic to be more alert about our spouse's spiritual gift of service. And now we can look at that tension that we feel with eyes of purpose. Well, the second question we're gonna ask about every spiritual gift that we talk about today is if your spouse has this gift, how can you be part of their growth spiritually? That's a good question, David. How can we be a part of our spouse growing spiritually if their gift is service? I think the first thing is, to ask to join in with whatever they're doing, not to be a leader, not to take charge, not to take over, but to be someone who serves your spouse while they are serving someone else. That puts you guys on mission together. And secondly, servant hearts tend to be people who don't complain while doing hard work. So guess what? They're gonna get really discouraged by people who complain. So if you are serving your wife who has the gift of service, if you're serving your husband, who has the gift of service. Make sure you don't count the cost of your service to them. You neutralize your gift to nothingness if you complain. 
So keeping Jesus' command to serve one another in love, let's go on in our list today. Mercy takes center stage. What's mercy? Well, each and every one of us is called to be merciful because it's a reciprocation of the mercy that we have received from our Heavenly Father. But like service that we're called to, some have a specific spiritual gift of mercy. What does this look like? Well, people are hurt, they're afflicted, either physically or spiritually. And a person who has the gift of mercy feels a deep need to come alongside them. You find it totally natural to be empathetic to the needs around you. You can almost feel what others feel and you wanna meet their needs. The gift of mercy is founded in God's mercy toward us as sinners and it's consistently expressed with measurable compassion. Those with this gift are able to weep with those who weep as we read in Romans 12, 15. They're able to bear one another's burden as we find in Galatians 6. They are sensitive to the feelings and the circumstances of others and can quickly discern when someone is not doing well. They tend to be good listeners and they feel the need to simply just be there for others. Mercy is huge in marriage because pain is an ongoing state of life no matter where you're at in life either physical pain something's happened at work something's going on with the kids something's going on in life we are in need aren't we picture this people who don't have the gift of mercy their spouse just bang their knee on the cabinet for the 27th time they're going to be the ones that say learn from your lesson woman right get it right the next time the person with the gift of mercy is going to bring the band-aid for you before you ask but it's usually not the outside of us that suffers in this world. It's usually what's going on in our hearts. Your spouse is gonna get their heart and their mind beat up in this world. Patience and compassion are the marks of a merciful person. So how does this gift negatively affect a marriage? If you're married to a spouse with the gift of mercy, boy, it can be so easy to feel like they care deeply about everyone else but you. Having a spouse with a gift of mercy can also be so taxing on you because your spouse is just constantly emotionally worn out. You may even feel the desire to just rein your spouse in for their own protection. Mercy gifted people often struggle to stay out of the realms of gossip. They're, I mean, they're digging deeply to comfort another person's soul, but sometimes that means the person they're comforting shares some things that they just shouldn't. Well, if your spouse has this gift, How can you be a part of their spiritual growth? I think it comes in developing such a love for them and their gift that you become their advocate. If they say they feel compelled to go and spend time with a hurting friend, recommend your spouse buys their coffee too. Empower your spouse to be as generous as possible. This develops credibility for the second way you can help them grow, which is to develop a way together to be discerning. If your spouse spends all their time and resources helping people who are taking advantage of them, that's really hard in the long run. Sometimes as someone on the outside, you can actually see a situation coming and then you can make corrections kindly and gently. And if your spouse hears your warnings and they feels like they need to proceed, then still be their cheerleader. A classic example in marriage is the couple who goes to the Christian concert and during the intermission, your spouse wants to adopt every starving child in third world countries. You can help your spouse by doing a budget and actually building in a line item for them to be generous in this way. If you know what's on their heart, don't ask them. Just build it into the budget and then encourage them to take the plunge. The third gift we're going to talk about today on Vows to Keep Radio as we discuss spiritual gifts is encouragement. 
And this could also be called the gift of exhortation. In the original Greek language, this means to beseech someone, to exhort them, to call upon, to encourage, and to strengthen. Many people want to be the encouragers by saying all the right things, all the positive things. That's good. That's part of putting God on display, but it's not all of it. God is good, and as an encourager, you are to proclaim it. God is also a God of truth. The Bible is full of great truth and should rule our lives and our decisions, and an encourager is going to proclaim that truth. The Holy Spirit gives this gift to strengthen and encourage those who are wavering in their faith. Those with the gift of encouragement can uplift and motivate people as well as challenge them and correct them so that they will grow spiritually. The goal of the encourager is to see everyone in the church, the church body as a whole, continually building up the body of Christ and glorifying God. So David, how does this gift of encouragement negatively affect a marriage? Well, if your spouse is someone with the gift of encouragement, we often actually feel very discouraged by them. We love it when they remind us of the powerful and the amazing work of Jesus, particularly in regard to the way that he saved us from our current sin. But we really dislike the other side of this gift, which is the rebuking side. If you're married to an exhorter, you may find that they are constantly trying to bring correction into your life. And what makes this hard for both of you is that God's enabled them to do this very thing. And I know you wish you could turn it off. An underdeveloped exhorter is reckless with their words. And this is exacerbated because sin in marriage is really hard to hide. How else is this hurt in marriage? Well, Satan convinces many people married to an encourager and an exhorter that they're better off being isolated from their spouse, in particular when they're about to sin. When we know sin is brewing in our hearts, we run from our spouse. And that's the very time that we really need to be running toward them and toward their gift. Are you recognizing possibly that your spouse has this specific spiritual gift? If so, how can you be a part of their growth spiritually? We're going to talk about that for just a minute. If you have this spiritual gift, you need to know that you need a lot of self-awareness. And what that means is that you need someone in your life who's going to exhort and encourage you. And that means you need your spouse. This is an easy gift to be called a hypocrite because you're encouraging someone to do things that perhaps you wouldn't do. You're correcting people on things that you yourself might need correction on. So if you're married to an encourager or an exhorter, you have a big job keeping your mate on the straight and narrow so that their credibility isn't questionable. David, how about that gift of teaching that the Bible mentions? The Holy Spirit gives certain people the spiritual gift of teaching so that the church stays on biblical course. Without the gift of teaching, the church as a whole would quickly fall into doing their own thing. That's our human tendency, isn't it? We fall into error. We fall into sin without God's word. Teachers are there to make sure that that doesn't happen. They hate it when scripture is abused and is used out of context or with ill intent. They love the truth and they speak the truth in love. They would never hide or withhold God's truth from someone because they want people to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. He's the one that taught in the synagogues and in the temple as well as anywhere the people were gathered to anyone that would listen to God's word. Teachers are called to demonstrate God's love while revealing his truth to the world without fear. So David, how does this gift negatively affect a marriage? This spiritual gift of teaching carries a heavy responsibility. In fact, James 3.1 warns, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach 
will be judged with greater strictness. Like every believer, teachers are to be stewards of every word that comes out of your mouth, but the greater responsibility to which they are called, boy, it often puts a spotlight on your whole family. Those with the spiritual gift of teaching must love to study the Word of God for extended periods of time or else, guess what? They're like loose cannons. They speak with authority on something that they don't actually know about, and it's hard to hide. If you're married to a teacher who doesn't have time to study God's Word, maybe you've been embarrassed by them. Or if you're married to a teacher and you don't have time to study God's Word, maybe you've embarrassed them. Or just perhaps... You are intimidated by your spouse's knowledge. They've spent hours in God's Word. They've had practice teaching, and you're having a hard time humbly learning from your spouse. These are all risks for this kind of spiritual gift. Does your spouse have the gift of teaching? If so, how can you be a part of their growth spiritually? I think you can thank your spouse for wanting to know what God has revealed of himself and what he requires of us as people created in his image. And then take great joy and satisfaction in seeing your spouse in action as others learn to apply the truth of God's word in their lives. Be your spouse's cheerleader. We've said that about a few different spiritual gifts. Perhaps the most important, though, is together time, consuming the scripture as food for your hearts souls and minds with the expressed idea that you need to know him and you need to make him known to others have mercy when your spouse doesn't know something scripturally and don't ever demean but always foster accountability that won't let them believe something that's wrong because as a teacher that untruth gets spread further and finally today on vows to keep radio the last gift we're going to talk about is giving Earlier, we spoke about the gift of mercy, and if in a marriage you combine a merciful person with a spouse who's a giver, wow, they can be so powerful together for God's kingdom right there on the street level where people need them to be. The original Greek language for the spiritual gift of giving is accompanied in Romans 12.8 by another descriptive word, which means this, sincerely, generously, and without pretense or hypocrisy. These are key signs of a spiritually gifted giver. The Holy Spirit imparts this gift to some people in the church to meet the needs of the church. Not just the local pastor, but the church's ministries and missionaries. They provide for people who don't have the means to provide fully for themselves. This is the kind of person who is grateful when someone shares a need with them, and they are always so joyful when they can meet that need. So David, how does this gift negatively affect a marriage? If you're married to a spouse with a gift of giving, it can easily feel like they put your family in a bind. Giving gifted people often struggle to be good enough personal stewards to be effective at using their gift. Or they're married to someone who's a terrible steward financially and they always feel under-resourced in their desire to give. In fact, you can become the enemy of their giving in their mind. Just being brutally honest here, these are things that affect marriages day in and day out. You might feel the desire to limit your spouse and their giving for your family's own protection. So if your spouse has the spiritual gift of giving, how can you be a part of their spiritual growth? To support a spouse who has been gifted as a giver, you need to be a team of excellent stewards. You need to be prepared to adjust your lifestyles in order to give more, to spread the gospel, and to care for the needy. Just bringing up this topic of stewardship to a giver is going to light the fire under them. Like what you heard today on Vows to Keep Radio? 
Listen to more life-changing broadcasts at VowsToKeep.com. As we close today, I want to thank you for joining us in our third broadcast and encourage you to come and join us for our fourth broadcast. Let's learn together about how the Holy Spirit supplies spiritual gifts and teams us together in marriage to further His kingdom. Vows to Keep is supported by a team which includes biblical coaches, writers, and pastoral advisors. If you have a desire to serve marriages in your community, we would love to hear from you. Vows to Keep is a not-for-profit marriage ministry designed to bring God's encouraging truth to the marriages of our area. As a not-for-profit organization, our commitment to Christ-like marriages includes providing much-needed services regardless of a couple's financial ability to offset the cost of Vows to Keep operations. If you are unable to donate your time or abilities but would like to help support Vows to Keep financially, visit VowsToKeep.com and click on the donate link. This program is sponsored by Vows to Keep of Zanesfield, Ohio.